You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hello everyone, got my tea in hand, uh, chamomile tea and some squash, so I should be able to talk for a bit today. I'm going to experiment a little bit with the microphone, I'm going to have it further away from my mouth, because I seem to think it, I feel like it distorts a little bit if I talk too close to it. We'll all find out how that goes, but I'm in troubleshooting with Rode to see how much I can improve it. But yeah, hello everybody, it's Sunday the 14th of March, this is another podcast, video podcast episode, whichever way you want to listen to it. And not too much in this episode, I don't think, I'm kind of making it a bit more of a standard affair. I've got to go through some channel updates as per usual. I'm then also going to do some, just some general news really. I think I want to feature more news on this show, you know, and I'm not talking like, oh, hot off the press, you know, special release or anything. It's more a case of what's kind of happened in the last two weeks, I'll summarize it and then give my thoughts on it. So you may have heard of this stuff already, but maybe some of you haven't. Maybe some of you aren't able to keep up tabs with all the stuff that's happening in the board game industry and this will still be useful. But yeah, I'll, I'll pick some choice highlights from the last two weeks and we'll go with that. So hopefully that should be some fun for you from now on. And then we'll get on to the main meat, which I want to give my first impressions on Sleeping Gods. Sleeping Gods is the new Ryan Lockett game that has been released. It is so far getting very rave reviews from a lot of people. Dice Tower included. I finally got it. It is on my table right now underneath this lot to... Yeah, and I'm playing through I'm almost done with the first campaign. I have thoughts that are good and thoughts that are bad. So this is one that I've been highly anticipating for a long time, and I want to give at least some first impressions here. So this is, it, it kind of is a review, but it's a review after basically not finishing the first campaign yet. So, you know, I, what I may do is a full review at some point in a later date, maybe like a Blitz review, just to go over it as a final thing, or I might just stick with these first impressions, depending if my thoughts change. So moving on to channel content first, it's been a pretty solid week, actually. I mean, I've been kind of working for a giant backlog and I'm almost seeing the light at the end of the tunnel although I've did a bunch of recording yesterday for Maglev Metro Blitz review uh, the Whistle Mountain uh, detail review and three beyond the base game videos I think I did a Days of the Siege one for this war of mine and both Raiders of the North Sea expansion so they're in the works of being edited I will get round to Fractures of Time at some point soon I know everyone's crying out for that one it will happen but more on that in a minute, actually. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the editing room floor. And as for what's being released, well, I mentioned Meadow I was going to do. And yes, this one has not been... Uh, it's not releasing today as bef as originally planned because I thought, well, I did a live stream yesterday. I released something on Thursday and I'm doing this podcast today. And I was like, that's too much content. Too much content to have in a short space of time. So I'm delaying this one until at least Tuesday, if not Wednesday, of this week. So it is coming. It's just I want to spread this out a little bit so people can actually digest what I'm releasing. Not to mention I don't hit burnout trying to release five videos in the space of like one day. It's not kind of good for me on the sanity level. So yeah, Meadow is coming, but just expect it for another couple of days. Uh, other than that, though, 
Um, I did release earlier in the week the HoneyBuzz review. So the HoneyBuzz detail review. That's off to a slowish start, but it's uh, not doing too bad. I've given it a positive review, although I did have some shortcomings as well. So if you want to check out my thoughts on the big, like, Elf Creek, beautiful-looking game about uh, bees engaging in economics, then by all means, check out the HoneyBuzz detail review. Uh, on top of that, we also have uh, Eternal Palace, which was a Kickstarter that Alley Cat Games are doing. It's still ongoing. Um, I am certainly uh, like keen to see this one do well because I have played it. They sent me a prototype copy. I've played it and I've given it a full review. Well, I say a full review. I've given it a pre-Kickstarter review. So I've given a verdict. I've given an opinion. You know, I've talked honestly about it. You know, both good and bad bits about it. And if you want to know whether Eternal Palace is one for you, then watch this video and get my thoughts on it. Eternal Palace is essentially a... Uh, it's kind of like a king I called it a Kingsburg killer because it's a light dice placement game of rolling dice putting them on locations to trigger various actions and it's done in a very similar way to Kingsburg but this one looks more beautiful than Kingsburg I think it's smoother in a way than Kingsburg in some in some areas but it's also got a little bit more meat to it to like oh I can get these cards on the side or I can you know do all this stuff and it's beautiful it has these art pieces that you put on a little canvas in front of you as a cool little gimmick like I say check out my thoughts on the in the video and consider whether you want to back it it's very cheap even for the deluxe version it's pretty cheap going and you might be able to get yourself something that's not like a 200 pound kickstarter for a change but by all means, check out that video. Apart from that, I think everything else you have seen already, although I must admit, looking at the channel in terms of views and engagement, I'm, you know, it's, it's a shame that, you know, the detail reviews don't get as much traction, despite how much time they take. But, you know, I was quite surprised that the last content creator uh, podcast that I did, the qualities of a good content creator, like what I look for, is not done particularly well on views, which is a bit of a shame. It'd be interesting if more people could watch that one. But I'm shocked by this video I did here, why I culled these games. I'm going to change this thumbnail because... Uh, actually, do I have the thumbnail still? I don't know. If I, if I have the file, I will. But the... I tend to override these thumbnails on Snapper. So I said March. I think these are going to be just as and when I do cold games. I don't think it's going to be a monthly thing. But this one's like at 8,000 views at the moment. That's ridiculous. I mean, some of my most of my top 10 lists don't even get to 8,000 views. It's insane. And all just so that I could say why I was culling four games. Apparently, this is the thing now. And I'm shocked why. When I started this blogging thing, it was like you... It, the whole idea was, oh, what's the new game you've got? I want to know about new games you've added to your shelf. And then all of a sudden, six, seven years later, it's kind of like done a 180. And now where it's like, okay, what games are you getting rid of now? What are you really liking? It's like, huh? <laughs> what happened? I think because the industry has got to a point since then where there's so many games now, it's ridiculous. I mean, 2013 time, it was starting to pick up a bit, the industry, but it still wasn't quite like overwhelming but now there's so many games getting released it's like yeah you know what people are more interested in seeing what stands the test of time rather than just buying the new hotness well with the exception of some people that are still pretty much colder than you but hey i'm not going to knock 8,000 views on the video i mean i guarantee i'll do more of these when i cull games i'll put another video out and i'll let you know my thoughts and like i say it's obviously content you want to see i enjoyed making the video it was easy to make from an editing point of view so i'm cool with that uh, in terms of live, in fact, yeah, in well, actually, before I get on to live content, there's actually one thing I'm, I want your opinion on, chaps. If you can put it in the comments, that'd be great. And I think I'll put a poll on the YouTube community tab as well. But 
I'm contemplating, I'm, you know what I'm like. I like to do this as a kind of variety content show. Yes, people like reviews and top tens, but I kind of like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Find that niche, find something that hasn't been done before and give people entertainment. So, you know, the Cole Games list, you know, hasn't been done by many and people find it popular. So great, I'll do them. But what I wanted to also think about was a kind of, I like reaction videos where I watch like Angry Joe and a few other people react to film trailers. Now, I'm not talking about film trailers here, but what might be interesting, and I could do this partially to go with my support small creators uh, thing, although I will look at some big creator stuff as well, is if I see a video that I can comment on or I have strong opinions on, I'm wondering whether it would be interesting for me to go on StreamYard, pre-record, so not live, and basically skim through the video while giving my comments on it, like a reaction video. Tom Vassell did a similar thing when the rest of the Dice Tower crew did a top 10 list when he wasn't there. Top 10 games Tom is wrong about. That was funny as well. I disagree with a ton of the stuff they put on there, but, you know, it was funny. It's funny as anything to watch it. But I thought I might do that. Like, I mean, the first video I had in mind was Board, Game Rambli Board Gaming Ramblings are doing the Keep or Cole series, and I've yet to catch up on their latest video. But I thought, well, why don't I put it on StreamYard and I'm not going to like go through the entire video like second by second. No, I would skim through it, give my thoughts, and then I'll watch it in full like afterwards or something. You know, this would be a like skim through it for entertainment and then watch it in full for afterwards for my own viewing pleasure, like when I'm cooking later or something. But I thought that might be interesting because then I could skim through the video, look at what they're planning to keep and cull, give my opinions on the game and whether I agree with the keep or cull thing. And it just might be interesting, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm partially supporting them by publicizing their video. But then, you know, because obviously I want people to watch the videos I'm watching. But then I'm also giving my thoughts on games. And it's just something different. Because I don't think any other channel does this. And, you know, sometimes you got to find a unique niche. It wouldn't be too difficult to edit either. Because it's pre-recorded on StreamYard. So all I've got to do is bolt on an intro and an outro and get it out there although i might throw some movie clips in there because you know me i love using them but yeah it wouldn't take too much hassle and it would only be my voice so i haven't got to worry about a second person's audio either you know let me know your thoughts on that i'm probably going to record it later on and do it as a trial but i'd be interested to get your thoughts now as to whether you like it also to get your thoughts on the poll when i put it up and then if i do do a trial video and release it i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that and then finally, just for live content, I would really like you to check out two videos I've done. First is my Q&A that I did this week. It was a very feisty Q&A, I think. You know, I was certainly like... <laughs> off my rocker I think I think lockdown plus coffee was essentially uh taking its uh toll I certainly had strong opinions on a lot of things here but yeah I mean I was really you know it was a good stream there was a lot of things going on there was a lot of topics being discussed and I thought it was quite a solid stream I really enjoyed it and I would obviously like more people to come on to those Q&A chats you don't have to stay for the whole two hours because I know they're long you can come for 30 minutes and leave that's perfectly fine you don't have to watch from start to finish but it'd be cool to just have you turn up and just ask questions. Ask questions. And they don't have to be board game related. Make them <laughs> ask me my favorite ice cream flavors or something. You know, it'd be uh, good. Hmm, why is that not uh, saving my changes? I need to put that in a uh, playlist. That's better. But uh, on top of that, I would also love for you to check out yesterday's live stream I did. Now, this is long, two and a half hours. I've given up trying to make live streams short because frankly, some people don't care and frankly i want to talk about games with people that i think are cool so why do i want to cut it down 
honestly. Short videos are for TikTok, YouTube is for quality content. But the what we did is I teamed up with Mark Dainty, so support small creators, hashtag as always, uh, not board gaming. Uh, go check out the channel. In fact, uh, well, I won't. Actually, I know. Well, I'll view it on YouTube and I'll get the turn the sound off so you can't hear it on the podcast. But essentially, what we did is we talked about our Lacerda solos. So we went through on live two and a half hours and we spoke about every single Vita Lacerda solo mode that we've played. And this is CO2, which I haven't played, but Mark has, so we went over it. Uh, the Gallerist, we went over. Lisboa. Vinyos, uh, Kanban, uh, Escape Plan, uh, although I haven't played the solo mode for Escape Plan, so I let Mark take the reins on that because I don't like Escape Plan, uh, but certainly Kanban I love, and we went over on Mars, and then we spent time with a bit of Q&A with the chat talking about the Surders and our thoughts on solo modes in general. It was a long stream, a long stream, and it was exhausting playing all these games solo, but we had a blast, it was good fun, and I would strongly like, even if you don't watch it, just listen to it in podcast form. You don't have to see the pictures I'm putting up. Just listen to us, you know, put it on your car journey next time or, you know, when you're cooking or when you're doing your work, you know, if you're bored at work, just put it on in the background. That's perfectly fine. But it was a great video. I would love to see this get some more love. Uh, you know, Mark's great. He's a lovely guy and he really does know his stuff when it comes to solo modes because that's pretty much his bread and butter. And, you know, his channel was a great one. So by all means, have a look at it. Uh, let's see if I can bring it up on the screen for you uh, people watching on YouTube. Uh, not Bored Gaming. So, like I say, check out his channel, check out what he has to say on, oh, sorry, that's Neverboard Gaming, although check out that channel as well. Sorry, I clicked on the wrong one there. This is the problem when you've got similar names to each other. But not Board Gaming, <laughs> I do apologize there. You know, just under 3,000 subscribers, he's not fussed about doing, you know, ridiculous, you know, he hasn't got like the budget to do 4K cameras and all sorts of studio work and that, you know, these are very what I would call kind of amateur style videos, but it's his thoughts and he does make a lot of good points. I mean, he says a lot of cool stuff about these. He's done top lists for solo games. He's done unboxings. He's done all sorts of these things like Dune Imperium and which he's even done a cull video himself, uh, which I must admit, don't agree with a lot of the stuff he's culling, but uh, how dare you? But Dwellings of Eldervale, Apex Primal, Kanban EV, Post-Human Saga, Fields. you know, he's done a lot of solo reviews and I like his stuff. I like his opinions and it was great to have him on the channel because i thought it i needed an even bigger solo expert than me to talk about these lacerda solos and we fried our brains learning all these rules and playing these games the last week but uh i think it was worth it it was a good fun stream and you know i enjoyed myself so by all means i reckon you should do it as well go check it out support his channel hashtag support small creators in fact yeah, we'll just make that the uh, we'll just make that the channel shout out promo for this week. Not board gaming. Check it out. Um, you know, it was a, check out the stream, see what you think. Then go check out his channel, and by all means, support small creators. So yeah, that, I think that segued quite nicely into that one actually. Okay, so on to a little bit of news. You know, just talking quickly about various. Uh, bits and bobs. So I'm just going to go over a few things that I've kind of highlighted, give my brief thoughts. Uh, let's start with the big one, shall we? Um, Asmodee with, <laughs> yes, 
I talk about big creators becoming the asthma day of content creator like absorption, you know, especially with the uh, the watch it play conglomerate. Well, you know, it's the same sort of thing happening with asthma day. They've been acquiring a ton of publishers and they are not stopping. They are going like all board collective on this thing after acquiring plan B and Eggertspiel. So Eggertspiel have done things like Heaven and Ale, the Camel Up reprint, uh, Coimbra, the... I think they did a sequel-ish to Coimbra as well. You know, they've done a lot of these uh, Euro-style games. And Plan B obviously did Azul. Their spin-off next move did Reef, which I prefer to Azul. But um, I'm not sure who the other one is there. Who's that other one there? Oop, see if I can scroll down. Pretzel Games. Okay, I don't know a huge amount about... Uh, pretzel games specifically but uh you know like i say they have acquired effectively this this group this conglomerate so yeah they're still continuing i personally don't have a problem with this yet i don't want there to be a massive monopoly all by one thing so if asmodee could slow down a little bit that'd be nice but so far i haven't noticed anything negative that's come from this apart from possibly because i think they acquired fantasy flight and fantasy flight has gone a little bit downhill lately with their new releases and that so that's a potential worry although i wonder whether the fantasy flight was already on that kind of road before asmodee took them over as opposed to afterwards but I've not seen any problems with the other people that are under Asmodee's uh, branch, personally, at least not in the UK. I don't know if that's different in America, you know, American Asmodee compared to UK Asmodee. You know, I get on well with the UK Asmodee lot. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll see how this goes. I wonder who's next. <laughs> I wonder who is next. But if this means that games can get wider distribution, then is that much of a problem? You know, the, I like stuff from Plan B. I like stuff from Egrich Spiel. You know, their production quality has uh, really gone nice on some of their Euros. So, you know, I'm interested to see where this goes. I'm not too worried yet. Uh, we have a new expansion coming later this year for Keeper called Keeper at Seas. This is Richard Breeze do, um, giving like a two-module expansion to Keeper. Now, I didn't know that Keeper really needed an expansion because, frankly, I have played Keeper... Keeper is fine. It's an interesting, innovative concept with the whole sort of like folding in on itself board that you use. But man, the rule book was an absolute nightmare to get through in this. The downtime was pretty high because people are constantly trying to figure out which way to like maneuver their board and do their actions. It's impossible to get rid of analysis paralysis from this. And it was quite fiddly in how a lot of the stuff worked. Like I could barely understand half the rules after going through it a couple of times. But did it really need much more in the way of complexity? I mean, we're getting a new like solo mode version by David Turksey, which could be cool. Uh, you know, shallow water and deep water board. So another folding seaboard, a fish market, uh, seasons on different turns. It's, it's like, whew, this is going to provide more opportunities, more, shall we say, complexity. And of course, solo modes and that as well. But I mean, I didn't dislike Keeper, but I just thought it was... If anything, I don't want an expansion for this game. I want a reworking of it, or at least a better rule book. Because, you know, sorry, you know, R&D games, Richard Brees, but as much as I like Keyflower, it's on my shelf, and as much as I give Key Keeper respect, rule books are not your strong point. So, you know, it's always a little bit harder to play these games than it should be. And this one, as I say, was not the most... I mean, I like this board. This whole fold-out board thing was cool. But like I say, very fiddly, very complex, and analysis paralysis like crazy. It just put me off wanting to keep keeper. So I hang on to keep flower, but not keeper. <laughs> this key thing is getting a little ridiculous, but ah oh well. Like I say, if you're into keeper, 
I have not seen anyone play this game in years. I thought it was pretty much died. I thought, I thought it was like non-existent, but an expansion's coming out. So clearly there must be some people who like it. So if Keeper is your thing, then by all means, you know, come Essen time this year, I think you're going to get another expansion. So happy days for you. Okay. Stellaris Infinite Legacy. I've mentioned before about my video games that I like Stellaris. It's a space epic civilization building game on uh, the PC with Paradox Interactive. They do very complex games. I barely understand half of Stellaris even after playing through several campaigns of it. There's so much to learn in it and I can only do so much. But I've enjoyed my plays. I've played it solo and multiplayer with some friends. We're probably going to do another multiplayer campaign at some point once we're done having fun on Raft, which is another fun Steam game at the moment. But I was really excited when I heard Academy Games was doing this. I mean, Academy Games have got very good pedigree for doing these kind of epic civilization style games. And, you know, if they're them doing a Kickstarter for this, I think it's going to be cool. And there is a Kickstarter, so by all means, have a look on Kickstarter and search for Stellaris Infinite Legacy, and you will find it. You're going to have, you know, miniature... It kind of looks a little bit like Eclipse from its layout, and I hope it's not playing like Eclipse, because I hate Eclipse. But, you know, you've got miniatures, you've got space board hexes, and the idea is, is that you'll be able to use the storage box for your race that has the tokens and bits in it, as your player screen to show your ethics, your politics, your alien race, your homeworld, and all that stuff. Stuff from the game, you'll be able to really customize your alien race, and you'll have combat, you'll have the 4X to you know, expand, explore, exterminate, and explore, expand exploit exterminate there we go that was a little bit short there but you'll be able to do all that and i'm very keen for this to work please work i have already early bird deluxe pledged this it's not cheap though i will say it's not the cheapest kickstarter in the world academy games don't make a lot of games so their kickstarters are a little bit more expensive than the average game also they're doing it in the way i'm not a fan of which is that they started off with a bare bone knowledge of what the game's like and then they are like releasing more as time goes on I would rather that you had this stuff in place already and you kind of revealed it at the start and then added a little bit of extra later on. But yeah, people are getting a little bit put off this Kickstarter because so little has been revealed. Like they haven't even finished the rule book yet. It's in it's a it's soon to come out, but have the rule book ready before you launch the Kickstarter. So as much as I'm not a fan of the way they're running the Kickstarter, I am placing a lot of faith in Academy Games and this IP with Paradox to make this work because I really want an epic space civilization game in my collection. Empires of the Void 2 is fantastic. I love it, but it's kind of 3X rather than 4X and it's more of a lighter touch, but it's still amazing. Love it. Fermatic space game. But Hate Eclipse. Twilight Imperium is too long for what it is. Uh, never played. Uh, what was it called? Um, uh, uh, I forget. I forget who posted it out it was an old space exodus proximus and turret yes uh never played that um but component wise it looks a bit nasty. i'm not a fan so for my next news item i had a slight technical glitch so that's why you got the fade bit there but basically robinson crusoe is getting a collector's edition this is the youtube video that you can find for agnosti's live stream about what this game found campaign is going to be going to talk briefly about it because i've already done it once before i realized the technical glitch but essentially, you will be able to cherry pick these particular items from the campaign. And there's some really good stuff in there. I mean, the, the if you own this, the second edition version, you don't need this set in full. Because it's essentially a bigger box with the same components in. They're not changing the artwork apart from the box cover. And, you know, the internal stuff will be the same. 
But what you'll be able to get in addition, if you want to upgrade like I do, you could get some miniatures for the explorers, some really good detailed miniatures, uh, which I think that uh, I think they said these they're doing something with Awakened Realms for these miniatures. I think that was who they were saying. So they do good miniatures. So yeah, no, these are going to look good. But here's the two highlights. One that I think this game really needs and one that I want. Firstly, what this game needs. The open and play campaign. Joanna is going to do a walkthrough mini campaign of teaching you the game, going through some easy scenarios and showing you how the game plays. Fantastic. This game needed that so badly. It was like, oh, trying to learn this was a problematic when you put it down for a while. Even though the second edition rulebook's a lot better, it's still a lot of rules. It's still hard to learn the game again. This walkthrough campaign, though, even for me, if I haven't played it in a while, I'll be able to play through this and go, oh yeah, that's how this works. That's how this works. And honestly, for new players, this is going to be ideal. What I'm after mainly, though, is that book of adventures there. That book of adventures. This one is essentially going to give me a book full of scenarios. Variants on the old ones, uh, brand new ones invented by Portal, and fan-made ones that he did in a contest. So that's going to, like, the replay value for this game is going to skyrocket when that thing comes out. Can't wait for this. I'm always a fan of games just saying, look, don't give me a ton of extra complexity. Just give me more ways to play it. And that's what the book is going to do, and I can't wait. Bring it on. That's what I say. Okay, what's next? Uh, nope, there is no more. Uh, news on that so we're going to wrap it up there so let's get on to the meat and that is sleeping gods now sleeping gods it's on the table i've been playing it a lot i'm almost done with the first campaign and i have good and bad things to say about this from a first impressions standpoint so first off what on earth is sleeping gods well sleeping gods is a story narrative campaign game it's kind of like if you imagine of above and below came first near and far was the evolution of above and below well now sleeping gods is the evolution of near and far this one has you going on an adventure uh, in a kind of like archipelago setting so you go to these various islands with your ship and you get You've got numbers for a script book that you essentially... Oh, if I can reach it from here. It's not spoiling, but, you know, essentially a book of scripts that you read through for stories. You've got a map and a journey log that you can mark down where you've been and keywords that you need to find for certain quests and that. And you have a crew of nine people, which you share with the players or control all by yourself, which, don't worry, I'll get onto that later. You get equipment, you get weapons, you go to ports, you find, you know, you're trying to find a bunch of totems so that you can get off this archipelago. Long story short, you're here against your will. You need to awaken the sleeping gods. To do that, you need to find totems. And I don't know how it ends because I haven't got there yet. But... You know, you find equipment, you find weapons, you get new allies, you get damaged, you have to repair, you've got, you know, all sorts of cool stuff that you do from a story-driven campaign, and it's like, I mean, as you can see, there's a lot on your table, but it's not that complex of a game, but we'll get onto that in a bit, and, but, oh man, is it beautiful, I mean, this has got unique artwork from Ryan Locker all over the place, and I'll say this is the first positive, this is a, such a beautiful game, that arc, you know, the map, little spiral-bound atlas book for sailing your ship around is lovely, the shipboard, the characters have all got backstories with all that unique artwork, all the cards are unique, Ryan, I don't know how you do this, man, you are an absolute machine when it comes to doing all this art and story i mean this is basically as like life's work passion project so yeah if you want aesthetics top notch 10 out of 10 no problem whatsoever but in terms of learning it learning it's not too bad the rule book is not perfect there are some ambiguities in it and some key bits that are missed out now some of it you can take for granted especially if like me you are you know you're already a gamer but 
you know, there are certain things like, for example, the ability cards. You draw cards from a deck not only to equip them on your people as abilities, but also as a call, draw fate. So you draw fate, and it's kind of like the simulating rolling a die, except you've got a bit more control over what it is. Although I say a little bit of control, not that much control. It's still essentially a die. But what you, the thing is, though, is that when it runs out, you assume, okay, I just shuffle all the ability cards and go again. The book doesn't tell you that, though. And I know that's a slightly silly example because you're probably thinking, well, of course you shuffle it and redeal out. What else would you do? Well, we know that as gamers. What about someone new to gaming comes along and does that? They're going to ask the question and it's not in the book. And there's a few other little occasions like that where something that should be mentioned is not in the rule book. Or if it is, it's not easily found and I haven't seen it. So, you know, there are some little issues with that. But rest assured, it's not like the game is impossible to learn. The rule book itself is not difficult to read you know it's just that there are some of those ambiguities in there but you do get a very pretty decent quick start guide so you can essentially do what i did i just went straight into this no videos no nothing i just went straight into this quick start guide it takes you through a tutorial mission a starter to the campaign in a sense you just follow it word for word it will take you through the mini tutorial like like pretty much hold your hand and then the first two two turns of the campaign and then you're on your own and you go. But honestly, the majority of the rules you will get from this. And then you just read the actual rule book to fill in the blanks. So I didn't have too much trouble getting into this. In fact, I found it easier than it, I, it was easier than I expected it to be. I thought it was going to be a lot more complex. But it's got some similar ideas from his other games. So I suppose if you have played a lot of his other games, you will get this kind of feel from it. And yeah, overall, I thought not too bad. But yeah, the rule book is not perfect. I will warn you about that uh gameplay now this is well actually well let's do that i mean replay value you know it's got a lot i mean i have got tides of ruin down there a mini expansion with the kickstarter and that i haven't even touched that i've not thrown it in that is a complete expansion with new content new maps new things to find i haven't even touched it you know i am literally playing through just the base game content and i mean just the base game content because there's even a modular expansion in the base set called dungeons with like dungeons you can go to and stuff like that i haven't even opened that that i am literally playing through the basic version of the game like what you would get in a retail copy with no extra additions and there's still a ton of maps in that atlas there is still a bucket load of items you can find there is still a lot of quests there's a lot of places to go and you will not be able to see it all in one campaign i dare say you would not be able to see through it in like five to ten campaigns there's a lot of content in this game and that's a good thing so replay value off the charts you know there is i'm not going to get bored with this game from a replay value perspective anytime soon but now we need to get onto the gameplay and it is mostly a hit but there are some misses as well, and quite a big one that I need to mention. So you better get ready. Gameplay-wise, it's good fun. Micromanaging nine characters as a solo player, bear in mind I have only played the solo, is fine. All it is is that the characters have got a couple of abilities they can each use. You can put cards on each, and they've got a basic weapon between them. But other than that, that's pretty much all you need to know about the characters. You just lay out all nine in front of you and like deal with them. So that's not that difficult even as a solo player. So don't think you're going to be overwhelmed. But going around and doing the exploration doing your ship action at the start of your turn during a random event and that all that is really good and i'm enjoying the stories that come out i mean we're not talking the most detailed stories ever this isn't like this war of mine levels of it like grit and you know depth but 
it's like simple short stories but it's still part of an overarching campaign so stuff does link together you do sort of notice oh yeah i came across that earlier well now i found it over here great and as you're marking on your map it's like it's done by keywords so like if keyword snake go to this paragraph rather than continue on and you you go to there and you think well i don't have snake but let me just make a note of that and then later on you find the quest that has the keyword snake on it and it's like oh i can go back there and go find out what was in that bit and there are some that i still haven't found out where they are so and i've been barely touching what like four page like well this double page spread and one other double page spread of a map i barely even touched there's a lot of stuff you can do honestly and i could play this right now with a brand new campaign sail off in the opposite direction and find completely new stuff i mean that is really cool um i like micromanaging the characters the turn sequence is pretty straightforward you do one ship action you know which just means putting your meeple on a particular quarter which gets you command tokens and various other stuff and then you draw an event card which progressively get worse and worse you go through the deck about two um, about three times before the campaign ends about 18 events so you're talking 18 36 54 that's the way it's going i mean i still don't know exactly how it ends but that's the way it's looking and you also have combat and well you do a couple of actions and that can be to explore the book of scripts or go to a port buy from the market get more stuff that sort of thing it is open-ended like you wouldn't believe though you do what you want do what you want in this game no but no questions asked now the combat is actually something i quite like as well in i don't know if it will show any examples of it because like i said i don't want to spoil too much here ah here we go this is perfect um so this is an example of something that you might find in combat and they basically have defense value on the right with the uh, skull thing damage value above it and they have a grid below them with hearts and various other effects like plus damage or uh, various effects or just their health and it represents body parts so what you do is you have action cubes that you can use to activate your characters and you draw fate, fling with a weapon, see if you hit. When you deal damage, you allocate them on that grid. As long as they're adjacent, you can't do diagonals, but you cover up the spaces. So if you cover up the bonus damage two there, for example, on the uh, on the right there, then that means it will do two less damage back to you because at the moment it's doing three plus that. So it's currently doing five. But if I cover that up, it will only do three. It's weakened. But then it's got health of four. So I've got to cover up these four hearts, but you can't go diagonal, so I need to do at least five damage to it in order to take it out. And this is an easy enemy. Trust me, they get a lot harder very, very quickly. <laughs> and we'll get onto that in a bit. But the other thing is that, you know, it's got like adjacent Mifian attack plus two. So it's like, well, if I don't want him to help his friend because you lay them out adjacent side by side when you're attacking, then I need to cover that ability. Or I just kill them off. And, you know, head body legs arms you know it's, it's a really good thematic way of doing combat i really really like it and on top of that you've got the little red diamond there that you can see these are synergy tokens which you have on each character so each character has got one of these and basically when they do damage and cover up one of those red diamonds you get to take this token and put it on a different character that's in the game and it gives them a bonus for their next attack plus accuracy plus damage or some other cool ability like redraw the fate card whatever and i love that because then you're thinking well if i cover up this i can get rid of that ability but then if i cover up the synergy that means i can give this accuracy to the captain who doesn't have a lot of plus to hit but has a rifle for damage so therefore i want her to hit so so let me attack first, do that, then use the synergy on her. She attacks, gets another synergy, uses that synergy on another person. It's really cool. Now, 
with multiple players is a little bit more restricted because you're controlling only so many characters each and you've got to go in a turn order but in solo it's great because i get to do all this cool puzzle solving with the nine characters while doing this combat i really do enjoy the combat but and this is going to go on to the next point. So I've been raving about this game. You know, there's cool items, the using the command tokens is a cool puzzle, maintaining your resources. It's got a lot of different mechanics thrown into it. And it really is overall a solid game, like minimum eight out of 10. But here's the problem. And this is the thing that's kind of keeping it as an eight at the moment. But even though I want it to be a nine, I don't think it's quite a 10, but it's this is a problem. It's way too hard. So hard, this game. It can be. Oh, my word. And I'm starting to get a little bit sick of this when it comes to publishers doing this. You know, there is no need for games to be stupidly hard when we are, you know, playing these kind of campaign games. I don't know what the obsession is with making these games so hard that it's a nightmare to you know, even remotely get through them. You can play this on normal mode, which is the basic mode, or brutal. I am convinced that if you are someone who is playing this on brutal, you are psychologically impaired and you need to be committed because it is brutally hard on normal. Playing it on brutal, where the first time your crew lot die, you're dead, like constantly. Yes, it's more realistic, but it's ridiculously brutal. But why is it so hard? Well, it doesn't start off that hard. And there are some strategy tips in the book, although you don't find them out until the end of the rule book. It's kind of like, no, you need to mention these a bit more prominent in the book, mate, for these tips, and especially not on a Kickstarter update. But you essentially, you go through that event deck and you start off with normal and then perilous and then deadly events. The normal ones are fine. They're nice. They might get you a little cool bonus. They're cool. It's kind of like the sweet spot. The perilous ones are a little annoying, but you can get by them or you can sort of like take the damage. It's not so bad. The deadly ones are just outright brutal. Like they are huge skill tests required, major repercussions for failing it. Not even the best, like no reward. It's just don't have these repercussions happen. But if you don't pass these tests, which is not easy to make these tests, these deadly events just completely cripple you like crazy. It is mad. And worse still, when the event deck runs out, you have to do this thing in the book. I won't spoil. But basically, you then have to get rid of all the abilities that you've put on your crew. All those abilities that you've equipped, not your XP ones. That's, I'll get onto that in a minute. But just the ones you've equipped from the ability fate deck, all of them are gone. They're all gone. As soon as the deck refreshes. Wow. Seriously? You basically just wipe out all those abilities? No. That is too much. On top of that, if you don't, if you fail to do what happens when the deck runs out and that, you have to get rid of the top six cards from that deck. So you are left with just perilous and deadly events. That's insane. That is way too much. And it gets worse. The combats, I mean, it says in the strategy, start in the starting map and keep going around there as much as you can. I did. I mean, I didn't leave the starting map location until nearly the end of the first deck shuffle. And even then, the second you go next door, it's like, wow, the difficulty just shut up quite a bit. And it's not like the starting area is a pushover. There's still some pretty hard combats in there. You come across like stuff that is apparently supposedly very easy or normal difficulty combats and they can really mess up your crew in terms of damage so you gotta go to a port and heal them problem is that costs money you don't get a lot of money in this game but you need money in order to get the equipment and the weapons that the game tells you you need in order to survive well 
you know, stop making me have to spend all my money just to heal up my crew. Okay, you can get recipes to cook that will heal up your crew. It only heals them up so much, and there's only so many resources in their game, so it's, you know, I'm kind of, like, really on the back end here. But it everything just kind of forces you to spend a lot of time prepping up and healing up from when you've just been decimated by a combat that you probably won, and but you still take a lot of damage, because when you're in combat, you attack... And then the creature automatically attacks back. So it automatically does. Every time you attack it, it doesn't exhaust. It just straight up attacks you back. And then when the combat round ends, like you've used up your four tokens, everything that was in the combat then attacks again. Can you imagine taking this kind of damage? I mean, bear in mind, most of your guys have only got five health. Six health, maybe? Seven, I think, on one? It's doing nearly two or three damage every time you attack it, or three. You can block it, but not a lot of people have any block value, so most of the time you're just taking hits, and the ones who have high block generally don't have high damage, so you're still taking damage. And, I mean, look at this Titanic Centipede there. I mean, this is a, the equivalent of a, a normal difficulty boss, so this isn't even like one of the harder ones. You've still got that four damage there. I mean, if you don't cover that instantly, you're going to take seven back. Six defense, most of the monsters I'm facing are like seven defense at the moment. And it's hard because you've got to use your characters. Most of them don't have more than plus one, plus two accuracy. You're drawing from a fate deck and the numbers range from something like one to nine, but most of them will be in the two to five and six, seven, eight range. But, you know, and to be honest, I've not actually seen any eights and nines in there. I think they're really rare. I think most of the stuff I'm drawing is two, threes, fours and fives. Uh, yeah, two, threes, fours, and fives, I think, are the main things I'm drawing. And with that said, that means to hit something that's a defense of seven, I need, like, ridiculous luck in order to be able to get around it, or a really good weapon, but the weapons cost, like, 15 coins apiece. You'll be lucky if you ever see double-digit coins, let alone 15. It's insanely hard. Now, this is kind of impacting my enjoyment of the game because I'm having to house rule one or two things as I play through this campaign because when that deck runs out and you reshuffle it, losing all your abilities is already painful enough. You have a choice of succeeding or failing the bit that comes up. If you fail, you have to get rid of those good events, but you get to heal up everybody. Okay, fine. But then if you succeed at the thing, you still have to get rid of all your ability cards and you don't heal up. Well, no, sorry. You basically decimate me with this and you expect me to then go into the next set with a crippled crew that's got damage all over the place, no abilities and that. No, I'm sorry. We heal up and we refresh and I want to keep my abilities. Although I'm, I think on this occasion, I'm ditching the abilities. But I think in a second playthrough, I'm going to house rule that you keep the ability cards because I just think that is too painful. Too painful to lose everything. So that is the thing. A lot of the stuff in this is just so hard. You know, there's a lot of drawing from that fake deck in order to get the number you want, but it's hard to meet the challenges. Challenge ratings are like 7, 8, 9 on a regular basis. You exhaust a crew member to get their skill value. Most of the time, you're only going to get plus 2 from one crew member. So if you're going to do a 7, 8, or 9, you're going to have to exhaust probably a good 2 crew members at least to get a half-decent challenge, and that's if you've upgraded their abilities to get of whatever icon it is in the first place you know you might be able to get them up to free but then you're still probably going to need a second person yeah you pick your battles and you take damage where you know you you say you know what i'll just fail this test and trust the fate deck but 
you do that too often you're going to get crippled again so you know and the, the challenge ratings need to be lower i mean i'm coming up against seven eights and nines on a regular basis now imagine if i sailed further away from my starting map i'd probably find like tens pluses and when you see a 10 you just give up it's like i'm not fatiguing everybody i know to pass a 10 test it's insane so it's hampering my enjoying i've i've talked a lot of praise about the game in general but this difficulty is really impacting it and i've seen it in campaign games all the way for some reason they feel like they've got to punch you in the face in these things why can't they just let us enjoy the story with a little bit of a challenge oh major round i need a drink from that all right so despite ranting is there a solution potentially Ryan Nugget has come out on Kickstarter with a an easy mode. So I think the easy mode is there. Yes, I don't know if you'll be able to see it easily. Let me try and zoom in uh, for you. Yep, so basically, so he's got some tips for surviving it, right? So I'm just going to go through these very briefly because I think I've talked about this too much. When you're presented with combat, you can see the difficulty level before you start. Uh, yeah, um, I'm coming across a lot of level 10, 11s often with this scene. He says level 14 is very hard. Level 3? When was the last time I saw a level 3 combat? I have seen no combat less than 7, I think, so far. So, don't know where this 3, 4, 5, and 6 is from. But many times you have the option of avoiding combat. 50-50, uh, I'd say, on that one. I'm finding sometimes I can avoid combat. But then there's a lot of times where I'm forced into it. Well, if I'm forced into it, I can't exactly help that. But uh, it then goes on. If you can't avoid combat and you die, don't worry too much. The game is designed knowing this will happen. Follow directions to return to the nearest port and remove all damage. So, you know, but the problem is losing all your stuff and then re restarting again, you've got to build back up again. And that's always a bit of a pain. Sleeping Gods is all about balancing resources. Don't use crew members on every challenge. Well, I know that. But still, you know, you've got to gain fatigue every time you use the people. But all the skill number is low. Don't worry about it. Skill number four to six. Where are these challenges that are four to six? I am finding seven, eights, and nines regularly. Four to six, I would... I mean, six is still fairly hard. I mean, you you still got to trust and get a four out of that fate deck, which is not that easy. But I want to see these challenges that are four and five. I mean, I'd like to see a challenge that's just two or three, to be honest. It'd be nice. But nope, there's a lot of them. Uh, things are consistently too hard. Slow down. Don't leave the starting map too early. I practically have got through 18 turns of the game and I've only just started to leave the starting map to the next one along. How long do I need to spend in the starting map before you claim it's too soon? You know, get more ability cards, get more level cards and stuff. But level cards, you need XP to get those. There's nine characters, right? Nine characters here for xp most stuff gets you one xp a time rarely does something get you two most of the time it's one xp right minimum these cards cost three to five xp to buy one for one character one card most of those aren't even that good i mean they're okay it's a nice little boost but they're not that great the really good ones are six and seven xp seven so I've got to essentially get through at least seven combat slash major events to get XP seven to get one card for one character. I have gone through nearly all that deck. I have found a total of, uh, let's see, total of, I spent five on one thing earlier and now I've got seven. So I've got 12 XP going through the deck once, 12. So I've got one card that's not even that great. 
and I'll soon be able to get one cool card. But that's taking me like one run through of the deck. You know, that's a slow progression of XP, especially when for all that time you kind of need to upgrade yourself in some respect. Money, most weapons that are any good cost 10 to 15 coins. Good luck getting 10 to 15 coins on a regular basis when most stuff gets you one or two. Like I say, you just don't progress far fast enough to keep up with the difficulty curve. So try to get some better recipes in the early maps before moving on to the other maps. Yes, I've done that. I've got some better recipes. Still require a lot of food. Um, make sure to use Gloria. Her ability is extremely useful. It's fine. You draw two ability cards, but sometimes you keep them in your hand. You don't get to use them. And yeah, her ability is useful and I'm using it. That's not exactly breaking the game for me, though. And getting better weapons makes a huge difference in combat. Yeah, well, if you didn't make them so expensive, I mean, I've got one weapon on somebody that only costs five, but it's not that great a weapon. It's just super accurate, but it's not high damage. You know, I, don't, I haven't even used it yet. So, you know, you really need a lot of money to get a decent weapon. So, yes, I'm following a lot of your strategy tips, but it's not working as well as you might think. So he's come up with easy mode, and I am going to say this right now. Next campaign I do, I'm playing on easy mode. Hands down. In fact, I am playing every single campaign on easy mode from now on. And I do strongly advise you, if you are new to this game and you are getting it, play it on easy mode, play it on easy mode, play it on easy mode. So here you go. If you're finding it extra difficult and having a negative experience because of it, I suggest starting a new campaign in this new official easy mode. I want you to have a positive experience, and this may be right for your play style. No, it may be right for the game, mate. Um, start the game with 20 XP, 20 starting coins, one meat, one grain, one veg. Well, the meat, grain, and veg would be due. I mean, you can get meat, grain, and veg, not too bad. Uh, starting with one of each is not the best thing ever. 20 starting coins, though, is pretty good because you start off with, like, what, like, two or some, like, ridiculously small amount of coins. So another 20 is good, and that would allow you to go off and get yourself one really good weapon or a few decent bits of equipment, like, off the bat. Cool. I mean, 20 is still not a huge amount of coins when you think about it, but still, it's better than nothing. And start the game with 20 XP. Now, that is worth it. That is definitely worth it, because that could get you a couple, like, two or three really good cards, or you could get yourself a few of the average cards. You know, that is really good. And then... When your crew reaches zero health, you also gain some XP, removal, fatigue, gain some coins and command. Great. So you're not completely starting from scratch. And the active player gets an extra command at the start of their turn. So you basically get one extra command on top of what you normally get. I didn't desperately find I was running out of command unless I was really splashing out on abilities. But fine, we'll take it. But yeah, I'm playing this mode every single time. Every single time. Doing easy mode. And I might even go further to say that when you get through the deck, you keep the ability cards that you have. Because, frankly, the ability cards are not, like, the best thing ever. But maybe if I kept them, I'd have less reason to spend command. But then I feel like you need the command for a lot of stuff. So we'll see on that front. Maybe that's too generous a house rule. But I'm certainly going to use easy mode. I mean, I'm going to play for the rest of this on normal and see how I get on and maybe house rule one or two things for normal, like, you know, keep the ability cards the next time the deck shuffles just because it's normal mode. But yeah, I'm using this now, hands down. And maybe that will be what bumps up to a 9 out of 10 for me. But at the moment, I'm thinking first impressions, I'm on an 8 out of 10 because, you know, there are some rule book ambiguities and it is a long campaign you got to get through. You know, it's, it's a lot of turns and it's not the quickest thing that you're going to do, even solo, as I'm finding. It still takes a while to get through, you know, various rounds. Uh, and that difficulty curve is such a problem that it get it loses a whole point for that difficulty curve. You know, but a lot of other stuff in this is really good, and that's why this is like a hard one to talk about because the game itself is really solid, and I want it to be a ten. And we're
game. I don't think it's going to reach a 10, but I'll be happy if it reaches a 9. And for that, the easy mode is going to have to win me over. That's essentially it. If you were playing this, like I said, on brutal mode, you are crazy mad. And I think you're playing this wrong or cheating or getting the rules wrong or something. Because I don't think it's physically possible to survive this game on brutal mode. It's already problematic on normal mode. So, you know, just a thing for publishers out there. If any of you actually bothered to listen to this, seriously, stop making your games ridiculously hard, okay? Why don't you make the game relatively easy for now? but then put a lot of content so that like in this game, you know, we've got plenty enough to search for, but then put difficulty tweaks for normal or no, well, make a normal setting that's the equivalent of easy and then make hard and brutal mode. You could have two harder difficulties that if we want to have a harder experience, we can go straight into that. But why don't you make this equivalent of easy mode to begin with and then we decide that we go into harder modes because nobody is going to complain that the game is too easy, you know, any more than like, most people will worry that a game is too hard rather than it's too easy, especially for a co-op that they're going to show family members. You want to have kids get this kind of brutality, but have it on easy mode with some harder difficulty tweaks. It's much better to play a game once, enjoy it and go, that was enjoyable, but I found it a little easy. Oh, well, cool. Let's play it on a harder setting than to get punched in the face repeatedly on hard setting first, then only to be told that we can soothe it a little bit with easy mode. No, easy mode should have been the standard, then the hard mode. Get it right, people. All right. I'm starting to get a little bit sick of this, you know, top 10 pet hates that publishers need to stop doing this is one of those top 10 hates so yeah as i say i'm liking the game it's just that is kind of really annoying me so that's it for that so i'm going to shut off this podcast now because i need to get on and cook some dinner so i'll try and edit this later and get it up for you and then i'll see about doing that trial video as i mentioned but uh you know Thank you for listening. Remember to check out the codes in the description for a lot of my videos for the Zatu 5% discount code. If you're ordering from zatu.co.uk, you can get 5% discount on your entire basket of games. No questions asked, no limit. Just find the code in the description to my video content and you know make yourself a saving and buy some games for as we start approaching the end of UK lockdown. Because, yep, Wolfman, I mean, I have to basically like wax my hair and comb it back, like properly comb it back to look like this this is the best i can do with my hair at the moment you know it makes me look even worse because i'm trialing out the beard but as soon as we get to the 12th of april when hairdressers open this is getting cut like crazy then i can see if the beard works with the normal hairstyle i have and if i don't like it then i'll go down to a pierce brosnan stubble length um which is typically what i like having like the 10 day stubble length that pierce brosnan kind of has a lot of the time that's my favorite type of beard but i'm just trialing a short beard at the moment i don't want any longer than this ideally but we'll see but yeah combined with this it's just kind of ridiculous but yeah the end is in sight i need to get back to the gym so bad i am weak i am lethargic i need the gym three times a week minimum i'm going back there i'm going to try and go four times a week if i can help it i'm going to go mad at the gym when we open those up and soon we'll be able to do some more indoor socializing uh, cafes can open again for mid-may come on we're getting there just got my sanity has just got to last a bit longer but it's hard and my job is not making life easy either so like i say gotta get through it take care See you on the next uh, Broken People video and podcast. And remember, as always, it's only a game. Bye for now and love you all. Take care. Hashtag support small creators. Bye for now.